Like, you know, in some traditions, um, at that point, the person reading scripture would say, this is the word of the Lord. Does anybody know what follows after that? Thanks be to God. Well, this is the word of the Lord. Good. We're going to do that sometimes. You know why? Because we're really thankful to have the word of the Lord. Uh, so I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 47. As we continue in our summer series on Psalms, thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles at the back there. The blue Bibles will be in the same translation that I am reading from and teaching from today, which is the ESV. You know what? I'm one of those guys. You said the ESV version. What's the English Standard Version version then? <laughs> I won't get picky, <coughs> although I just did publicly. So, <clears throat> I love you, Nick. You're good. Um, Psalm 47. God is king over all the earth. Um, this morning, we, we've sung this new song. Um, there is joy in the house of the Lord. And, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, this is really hard to get comfortable. <laughs> Bear with me a moment. There's joy in the house of the Lord. This psalm is one that is declaring the joy of the Lord. <clears throat> it's a commandment even. As people gather together and sing this psalm, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. I was uh, sharing with the team this morning that was up here, as well as those ministering in, in different ways at our pre-service prayer meeting. And I was saying, you know what? There's a lot of... People in this space that come from many different backgrounds. There's a lot of you that come from a reform background, and the idea of shouting and loudness terrifies you. And there's a lot of Mennonites in here. Uh, we should get dancing in this list, maybe. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there's some Baptists in here where to have feelings is a bad thing. And I can say this. Um, because I'm somewhere a mix of all of, all of the above. Uh, and you Pentecostals just chill out a bit. Um, <laughs> uh, good. Now that I've insulted everybody in the room, um, we get to enter into this knowing that when we come and we enter into this place of praise, it is from the sincerity of the heart that we bring forth praise to God. You know, how many of you have ever clapped your hands just from this, just this place of emotion and this place of thankfulness, it just comes out of you, right? Uh, we are in full birthday party mode at my house right now. Three of our children are in a three-week span uh, from June 30th till this, just this Tuesday coming up. And, um, and so we have, and, and our anniversary is in there too. So there's four kind of big celebrations that happen. We sing happy birthday to our little kids and people just are so happy. There's just clapping and celebrating that naturally happens, right? Is our love and our affection as well as our acknowledgement of God as king over all enough to let us well up with clapping hands and loud songs of great joy? Because it should be, it should be. And so we're going to look at this psalm today, knowing that it is a natural part of human existence to celebrate, 
to clap, to use our voices, and to, to honor God in that way should be the natural response of our hearts as we know him. So we're going to jump in. I, I want to, before we jump too far into this psalm, we've been looking at different psalms. And, and just because I really value you being able to take this word and read it at home for yourselves and kind of understand a little bit more what you're reading, we're going to just do a little bit of uh, Bible nerd stuff for a, a, to start this out, and then we're going to jump into the psalm. So I just want to remind us, I've told this before, but Scripture is not something, the Bible is not something we come to just as a how-to manual. Uh, it's, it, it's not just the stories. It's not just the songs. It's many different things. It's many books put together in one book that all works together. There's poetry. There's songs. There's stories. There's prophetic, like future stuff that's, that's happening in this. And sometimes, many times, in the Psalms, we have all of these actually working together. And many times in the New Testament, you will read and you'll, you'll read the Apostle Paul or the writers of the gospel, and they will refer to something in the Psalms. And they'll say, and this was to fulfill, and they'll, they'll state a Psalm. And the Psalm is taken, if you just read it, totally out of context, it seems, the writers of Scripture taking Scripture out of context. But what we need to understand is that in the moment, the psalm is written for the people in the moment. And they can enter into this psalm in the fullness of their situation, as well as it is a song that can be sung for all time. As in, in the present, we can also enter into and sing this psalm right now with sincerity of heart for our own situations and circumstances. As well as this psalm is a pr prophecy about what is to come. And we can sing it that way as well. So we look at, there's a past richness of this psalm. There's a present reality that we can enter in and sincerely sing this psalm. And then there, it also points to a future hope, which is the last lines where God is truly king over all the earth. And so we're going to look at it from those perspectives today. We're going to kind of break it down verse by verse, and we're going to look at the past implications, the present implications, and the future implications. That's how we're going to look at this, this psalm this morning. First, I said we're doing a little bit of Bible nerdery before we actually jump into Psalm 47. You'll notice it says, to the, well, my version says, to the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Anybody remember who Korah is in the Old Testament? All right, good. This is why we're doing this. So I don't want you to just read your Bible and then look at something like that and be like, oh, that's nice, sons of Korah, probably doesn't matter, and then just keep reading. It, it's there for a reason, and it can help us understand some things. So who are the sons of Korah? Well, it's the descendants of this guy named Korah, and Korah was a first cousin of Moses and Aaron, and he lived during the time of Moses and Aaron. And in fact, uh, we have in Numbers chapter, I believe it's 26, Numbers, yeah, Numbers 26, Korah leads a rebellion against Moses. And Korah is the leader of this rebellion. And Korah leads this rebellion against Moses. He convinces 249 other people to join him in this rebellion. And God is angry with them. And you, do you remember that? You might remember this from 
from Sunday school or youth group if you went there. And the earth opened up and swallowed them up because God was angry. You remember that part? Well, that was Korah. That's Korah. So Korah led this rebellion and God judged him and those who dissented with him very harshly in that moment. But it actually says really clear in Numbers chapter 26, in that same chapter that Korah is taken in that way, it says, but his children did not die. And so what God did is God left a lineage for Korah, and and the sons of Korah are any descendant of him. That's kind of the the biblical language, how that works, right? Because you know the sons and daughters of Abraham, right? The sons of Abraham are anyone in Abraham's line. Any Jewish person is a son of Abraham, right? That makes sense to us. So the sons of Korah are anybody in that lineage. And now Korah was a Levite. And the Levites had a very special place of ministering in the tabernacle and then later on in the temple. And so Korah and his, his descendants had this closeness. And it seems, as we read in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20, um, that they have been established to the point where they, it seems like they're the worship leaders in the temple. And so a couple of kings after King David, who we, we all know, uh, famous King David, it, we find this King Jehoshaphat, uh, which is just fun to say. But um, Jehoshaphat um, had these guys, and they were the worship leaders in the temple. It, and it was the sons of Korah. So they are the people that are leading, like, like the music team. They're the music team in the temple. That's what the sons of Korah are doing. So there's lots of debate as to whether the sons of Korah wrote this psalm or if a king, maybe David himself, wrote this psalm. I think Charles Spurgeon said, I am morally certain that David wrote this psalm. And then you read a whole bunch of other commentaries and they all disagree. So at that point, there's actually no substantial evidence as to who wrote this. But it's in the Bible for us for a good reason. And so the sons of Korah, people who knew tragedy, saw and know in their own family line the severe judgment of God, yet who also walked with Israel through many victories of God. That's the perspective that we have as we enter into this psalm. The severity and fearfulness of God, yet at the same time, the grand deliverances of God. So that is the perspective of the sons of Korah. So we come then, and we come... And the people are exhorted. It's like more than encouraged, exhorted. It's like, come on, you guys, do this. I think I have the gift of exhortation. That's not in the scripture, but I think I, there, there's something there that like, let's go, you guys, let's do this. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Mennonites, Baptists, Reformed, I don't care who you are. Clap your hands, all peoples. All peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord the Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. A great king over all the earth. So in the past, as the sons of Korah are singing this, and you read especially these first four verses, it is just very glaringly obvious that this is a song for a nation and a king who has come home from a victorious battle and that God is on their side, and it's time to celebrate. Um, We see 
throughout the Old Testament where Israel would go out from Jerusalem and fight a battle. And if the Lord had led them to that and was on their side, they would come back victorious. And it was time to party. It was time to celebrate. And so that is very real. Shout with loud songs of joy. Clap your hands, all peoples, for the Lord the Most High is to be feared because they just saw what God did to their enemies. You don't want to be an enemy of God. God's a great king over all the earth. He takes good care of us. So that's the past. That's just the the past reality of how Israel lived. And in the present, God is sovereign over all the earth. So we can sing this today. God has not led us out to battle against (laughs) and war against neighboring countries. Has he? No, but we can still know that the Lord the Most High is to be feared, or some translations say, the Lord is awesome. A word that might get overused at the pulpit in this place. But the Lord is is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He certainly is sovereign, isn't he? He certainly is over every single thing, isn't he? He certainly is who he says he is, who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, isn't he? So if that is God and he is the most high, clap your hands, all peoples. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And we get to sing loud songs of joy, of joy. This should be reason for praise, that nothing is outside of God's command, Nothing is outside of his power, for the Lord is awesome in power. You know, we do this, we, I've already said a a couple times this morning, um, anybody watch the Bombers game yesterday? Okay, okay, good. Don't be distracted by the fact that they lost terribly. Um, But we go to sporting events, and people shout loudly songs of joy. And people clap their hands like a bunch of fools. I'm putting my hand up for that. Like, the Rough Riders come into town, and I'm there. Okay? And again, I'm just offending everyone today. Um, but you get it. When there is a something in your heart, in, in, in you, it comes out of you. And so you're excited. And it's reason to praise. And praise is just that, that excitement over what someone's done. Like if you're praising, praising someone, you're just bragging to somebody about that person, what they did. That's what praise is. Our worship is our direct talking to God and giving him what he is due because we're worshiping him. And it's that, that addressing him. But praise is just saying, hey, look at how good God is. Look what he's done. This is amazing. And so this psalm is a psalm of praise. And today we can praise, and it is appropriate, more appropriate than you shouting out at a bombers or a jets or what your sport of choice. Maybe, maybe you're a concert goer like I used to be. And you like people get worked into a frenzy in these places. You know, I was at I was thinking this week, the Stanley Cup is coming to Oak Bank next Sunday. And I was thinking, the Stanley Cup gets its own stinking parade for a silver cup. And there's going to be people screaming and shouting like, like we watch hockey. It's not bad to do these things, okay? But what about the comparison about the most high God? 
who is to be feared and a great king over all the earth. Where's his parade? Well, I hope that in your heart and in your life, you, you're rejoicing in him to that level. So that's the present. We can, we can praise God because he is a king over all the earth. But he's also going to be a future king. Because right now he isn't fully king over all the earth, is he? We're looking forward to the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, where he would bless all the nations of the earth. He has begun that in Jesus through the Messiah. But we're looking forward to the day that Jesus returns and takes his rightful place as king in Jerusalem over all the earth. And that's going to be a good day. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So the future is wrapped up, and we can praise God for that truth as well. Boy, we're just only two verses in, you guys. <laughs> it's enough to praise God already. This is the next two verses. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. This is very Hebrew. This is very Israel-centric. This is talking about all those times where, where God <clears throat> led, literally led them out of their oppression in Egypt by just amazing miracles. And then as they enter the promised land eventually, after 40 years wandering in the wilderness, God, remember the walls of Jericho fell in just by them walking around it. God is the one that subdued peoples under them, the nations under their feet. They had a heritage and an inheritance in the Lord. It says that he chose our heritage for us, as in there was nothing in Israel that made them more appealing to God than he just chose them. He is the pride of Jacob whom he loves. He, he just loves them. Why? Because he just loves them. <laughs> and I think that launches us into the present. I really do. God is the one who chooses Israel's heritage simply because he loves them. But the present is the fact that Israel... The fact, first of all, that Israel still exists today is pretty incredible. It's amazing, this tiny little place that has been like the center of world, just conflict through, for history is still there because God loves his people. He loves his people. Clearly, God is a keeper of promises, amen? He will forever love Israel in a very special way. But now we join in God's chosen people. We, most of us all here, if not all of us here, are Gentiles, as in not Jewish people. But we have been now chosen as God's people, grafted in, the word says, through the grace of knowing Jesus. Now we are sons and daughters of God. For those who have repented of their sin, come into the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus came to invite us into, we also have a heritage chosen for us. And so we can sing these words. No, it's not that we're the pride of Jacob whom he loves, but we are his children. And we are the heritage that we have is that we are sons and daughters of Abraham who is of the most high king over all the earth. Reason to clap your hands and shout loud songs of joy. Absolutely. You know, we're welcomed into the family of God. We have eternal life through the Lord Jesus. That's our inheritance. We have a home in heaven being prepared for us. We've been given every spiritual blessing, Ephesians says, in the heavenly places. 
It says also that we are co-heirs with Jesus. That's how much we're grafted into this deal. We're co-heirs with Jesus. You need any more reasons to worship God today, to praise the Lord? Well, there's a future aspect of this that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Because that's not happening right now. I'm really glad we gather together and do that here together right now. But all around the world, there are people that are either ignorant or refusing to do this, to bow the knee to King Jesus. The day is coming when every knee will bow because they will see Jesus and, and you won't have a choice at that moment. You will fall on your face before him. It's going to be amazing to see, to realize how fully, how holy, how awesome and fearful and powerful and loving and worthy of praise Jesus is because he chose us to be his family. We're going to worship him forever. Lots of reason to praise. It says, next verse, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Past implications. When the Israelite army comes home from a victorious battle, they would literally have to come up the hill to Jerusalem where the big temple was that everybody could see. They would be coming up the hill to Jerusalem. And what would the sound be as they are coming back from a victorious battle? Loud shouts of victory and the sounds of trumpets. It was actually in the law that that was, that was the appropriate response, was to blast the trumpet when there was a victorious battle that was, that was won. God is exalted on the praises of his people. God is lifted high in the praises of his people. The Lord is lifted in the sound of a trumpet. He's gone up with a shout. He's exalted as we praise him. And it, so that's the past. It's just the reality. They were coming back, and that was the noise that was happening as these kings were coming back from battle. In the present, Jesus, after his incredible life, his death, and his resurrection, he ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven. And so right now, there is the man, Jesus. Yes, God, but also man. Jesus, in heaven, however that works, sitting at the right hand of the Father with all authority in heaven and on earth. And his ascension was a victory. His ascension was a victory, and it declared the victory. The Bible doesn't tell us that there was loud shouts or trumpets in that moment. But the very core of God being raised up in victory is exactly what happened in Jesus. And he's still there today. That's the present. And there's a future. Jesus's imminent return is coming soon. It's coming soon. I love saying it's coming soon because the Bible says it's coming soon. Some people are like, oh, now you sound like one of those crazy people. It's coming soon. The Bible said it's soon, folks. <laughs> if you're living for eternity, it's soon. When he comes back, he will take his rightful place in Jerusalem as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And what is his entrance going to be marked by? Any guesses? Yeah. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. So that's a loud shout to me. With the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Praise the Lord. 
That's our future. A shout and a trumpet, he ascends to the throne. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. It's almost like they just needed to hear it. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. Again, God has been, currently is, and forever will be sovereign over all the earth. And he is forever the victorious one. So sing praises. Tell the world of what he's done. He's, the Israelites were declaring that they had won the battle because of God. We all have reason If we actually pause and think and stop and give God credit for what he's done, we all have things that we can say, wow, look at what God has done. Look at what he has done for me. Praise him. Make joyful noise to him. It's a common commandment of scripture to sing praises and to sing praises with a psalm. Um, There's always in a group this size people that don't like to sing. God does not care what you sound like. You know, it, he gave, if, if he gave you breath and words and noise, even if he just gave you noise and you understand who God is and what he's done, make a joyful noise. Just make a noise. I love hearing the noise of the children in this place during worship time. I do. And sometimes they're just being distracted. And it, but, but you know what? God is the one who can understand all of this. And he, he understands each heart individually and it receives it as praise. And so we are called to sing out praise. You know, there's certain things in our life, maybe it's not singing for you. Um, I love singing. Maybe singing's your thing where you just need to say, okay, God, you said to sing praise. I'm gonna sing it even though it makes me uncomfortable because you are worthy of praise. You're worthy of praise. Oftentimes, driving into the office, I just have to sing. And I've learned over the years that it is always better for me to sing without music. I don't know why. I, I just sing by myself in the car. I'm glad nobody's around to hear it. <laughs> but I just sing praises to God because he's worthy. And you know what he does in that moment? I connect with him in a, in a profound way. And I get here with with the right heart and the right mindset to do the things that I got to do for him, for his glory. It's a powerful thing, singing praises to God. God reigns over the nations. This is the last two verses. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. There's a lot of exclamation points in this psalm. I really appreciate that. Ultimately, no matter what power the world thinks they have, God is the one reigning. This part of the psalm, I think, is more prophetic than anything else. Yes, it is true that he's sovereign over the nations, but the nations don't recognize his reigning. There's a difference between the fact that he is sovereign and can do what he wants, but that he is actually reigning. So what he, where he reigns is in the kingdom of, of God. And if, if you belong to Jesus, that's where you are. And he reigns over you. 
But one day is coming where he's going to actually reign over the nations, where Jesus will actually sit on his holy throne in Jerusalem, and he will rule the world. It says the princes of the people gather as the people of the God of Abraham. That means the people that aren't a part of Abraham's family, the, the non-Jewish people, like most all of us here, all of the leaders, the kings, the, the princes is a way to say all the leaders, the kings, the prime ministers, the presidents, all of those people are going to gather together as the people of the God of Abraham. I mean, come on. Anybody want that? Because <laughs> that's obviously not here now, is it? Do you know why we can sing praises? Because no matter who is in office in Ottawa or the White House or around the world, our king is king over all the earth. And he's coming. He reigns in our hearts. We walk according to his kingdom laws and his kingdom ways, and it brings life and freedom now. But one day he's coming, and it's going to be in fullness. So I'd say that's a reason for loud songs of joy and clapping of hands. He has a kingdom, Jesus does, that's both here now and not yet fully here. The kingdom of our God is reason for great praise. We've been welcomed into the family. Jesus has victory. It's finished over sin, death, hell, sickness, disease, sorrow, affliction, relational breakdowns, all of it. He has victory over it. He has victory, and we get to praise him, and he is lifted up in our praise. He is God and greatly to be praised. I want to I end today not by talking, but by praising. Um, we're going to sing again just before you come up. I'm just going to do something. Don't come up yet, worship team. We're going to sing a song that same song, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. And in that song, there's some, some reasons to praise. But each one of us, if we could pause for a moment, we will pause for a moment, must have something to praise him for. We must have something to praise him for. He's the king over all the earth. If that is it today, that is worth it today. But I'm going to leave a moment here. And I'm just going to pause and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the Lord to even reveal to our minds and hearts reasons for personal praise and that it would come from a sincere heart because we're not asking you to clap your hands and shout for joy when it's not real. But God is worthy to be praised. So Heavenly Father, I ask, I ask that you would speak by your Holy Spirit to, to your children. Lord, what in our lives is reason to praise you? Just listen for the whisper of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy to be praised. Worship team, I invite you up. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout with loud songs of great joy. Let's stand together. And with that praise item in your mind, you're going to worship the Lord together. <clears throat>